0: This spoiler special for the movie Catfish is an excerpt from Slate's Culture Gabfest, featuring Stephen Metcalf, Dana Stevens, and Julia Turner. Like all spoiler specials, this is meant to be heard after you've seen the movie, or if you don't mind having key plot points revealed. And now, here's Stephen Metcalf. Catfish, as I understand it, was a huge buzz-generating hit at Sundance. It's now in release. It's out in theaters. It's a documentary that I will say is almost impossible to talk about without spoiling. And we've made the—the uh, the three of us have made the decision that, the, that it really is impossible to talk about unless you spoil it. So if you're planning on going to see the movie and you, and you want to go in blind, uh, you should absolutely fast-forward through this segment. Right? We're agreed. You cannot talk about this without giving away— the essence of, but what then after
1: the you see movie. it, you really, really want to talk about it. You yeah, so. have
0: to talk about. It. I mean, so Dana, I don't know what you thought of this movie. I haven't seen your spoiler special or read your review. I'm dying to know. What did you think of Catfish?
1: Well, you know, I have an almost unreservedly positive opinion of the movie, and yet I don't think it's necessarily, you know, the 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 first film of some up and coming great young new filmmakers. It's sort of one of those accident documentaries where the things that unfolded, the events that unfolded during the course of filming, are what make it so interesting. I'm not sure that the filmmakers are completely at the level of the material. But it's absolutely as a document something that's worth seeing in North. I totally about.
0: agree with you. Talk about the set of accidents that uh, that go into the making of the movie, the creating of the movie.
1: Okay, so these these three young men. Well, I guess two young men who directed the movie, who you just named, Henry Joost and Ariel Shulman, Ariel Shulman yeah. and the brother of Ariel Shulman, whose name is Neve Yaniv Shulman. Um, pretty much seem to document everything in their lives, right? They share an office in downtown Manhattan. They're very young. They're in their early 20s, I believe, or mid-20s. And, uh, and they're just documenters in that way of the Facebook generation, right? They seem to shoot footage of everything, interesting or not. And as it happens in the course of this movie, some interesting things happen. So Yaniv Shulman, Niv, who's a photographer, gets a note from this girl in Michigan, an eight-year-old girl asking permission to paint a photograph that he's published, I believe, in the New York Observer. A New York Sun in the New York Sun of, of two dancers. He gives his permission and then a few weeks or months later he gets this painting in the mail at his office and we see him opening the painting and it's a pretty prodigious painting for an eight-year-old girl to have executed. And uh, he starts a correspondence with this girl and becomes her Facebook friend. In the first 20 minutes of the movie or so, we see this correspondence develop. He also Facebook friends her mother, her half-sister, a bunch of her friends, and they kind of become part of his social media universe. And then we watch as pretty quickly the relationship between he and Megan, who's the half-sister, heats up into this online romance, right? And the two of them start to uh, text each other or occasionally call each other. I believe the term is sexting, Dana. There's some sexting, which we get we get a little glimpse of later in the movie, and essentially they're falling in love online.
0: How long have you been calling each other babe? A couple of weeks. Two weeks,
1: maybe.
0: So you're full-on going out? This is a long-distance relationship? No, we're not. But we're not. If we met each other, and the attraction
2: exists in real life, like, it would be like instantaneous relationship.
1: So after about eight months of this, the uh, the three young men go on the road for something unrelated. They go to Vail, Colorado to film a dance festival, and they decide that as long as they're on their way to Colorado, right, why not try to meet up with this young woman in Michigan along the way? But as they're sitting in Vail, Colorado one night um, at their computers, as
2: they always seem to be, they make this odd discovery. Julia, I'm running out of breath.
1: Do you want to take it from there?
2: <laughs> right. So as they're in this hotel room in Vail, they figure out that some songs that Megan claims to have been playing herself. Some audio tracks are actually ripped off of YouTube and they begin to get suspicious about who exactly Megan is and and where she is. So they decide to ambush the whole family in Michigan. They go, they try to find Megan and they realize that Megan doesn't exist, that Abby is not a painter and that the mother Angela doesn't look like what she said she looked like on Facebook. And then in fact, she's sort of a, a dowdy woman who is herself a painter and the stepmother of two retarded twins, uh, and really the mother of Abby, a young girl who doesn't paint at all, but likes horses and rats. Uh, And it's just incredibly awkward and crazy. And the the sort of tension of this moment where they show up and she just isn't who she said she was, but she maintains the facade for a little bit and says, oh, Megan's out, and she just doesn't confront the fact that she doesn't look at all like what she said she looked on the internet, Mm -hmm. is kind of remarkable. (laughs)
1: And then the final beat, I mean, just to kind of finish summarizing the plot so we can start talking about the juice. I mean, to me, the final turn, there's a lot of twists and turns. And up until now, you could still have heard our conversation and still be surprised by the movie. But I think the the most beautiful revelation at the end is that, in fact, this woman, Angela Wesselman, who is the the mother of the fictional Megan and of the real Abby, has invented this entire world. Right. I mean, she's essentially sort of written a novel on Facebook just for the purpose of Neve falling in love with her right mm-hmm. and she's essentially orchestrating this entire fictional universe with cousins and friends
2: and people who are angry about their relationship she's, and, she's managing 15 profiles on Facebook she has two cell phones and the house phone that she uses to maintain the idea that she's multiple people in the interstices of
1: caring for these barely functional twins I mean her actual life is so sad and so bleak and so different from the world that she's managing on Facebook
0: mm-hmm. yeah I mean I agree I think what 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 These people made a a great movie in spite of themselves. And uh, we should say that there are some questions about, for lack of a better word, the authenticity of the movie. Uh, Many people question... How long Neve really believes that he's in a long-distance texting, sexting relationship with an existing 19-year-old girl? Wouldn't his suspic- suspicions have been aroused way earlier? Why does he suddenly decide to discover that this music this, – and this woman is way too good to be true. She's uh, a you know, model, beautiful 19-year-old living in social isolation in the Midwest among horses and uh, cornfields. And um, and plays flawless guitar, has a beautiful singing voice. I mean, it, it just it speaks as much to his need to believe that this person could exist uh, as it does to the uh, uh, the woman who fabricates her's need to feel uh, less uh, stranded in her own life, in the sadness of her own life. But but to me, these the, the one of the a couple of the, the two most interesting things about the movie to me are the inability of any because you see the two filmmakers, uh, Henry and Ariel, uh, on camera quite a lot. And then Neve is on camera virtually the whole film. The inability of any one of the three of these very young men to wipe a shit-eating grin off of their faces, to me, is absolutely unbelievable. The amount of kind of arty college kid privilege they bring to the making of this movie is Astonishing! It's a revelation in and of itself. Um, and to have that confronted by the reality of this woman is what animates the movie. And it's why the movie was sort of made in spite of their own p- preposterous and patronizing attitude towards its subject. This woman, this woman's humanity just beats at the center of this inexorably at the center of this film and kind of rises up and overwhelms their sort of, I think, kind of weird pranksterish uh, attitude towards uh, life. Um, so the first shock is just the the little level of condescension these young men are capable of, and then the second is the just absolutely terrific rebuke life gives them at the at the end. Dana, do you? Do. Agree with any of that?
1: <laughs> yeah, absolutely. But I think to some extent, to give them credit, I think that they're somewhat aware of that and that there's a process yes. of, of, of learning and of shaming to a certain extent that happens over the course of the film. And I didn't hate the young men by the end of the film. I thought they seemed very callow and young and not up to the level of what they were trying to do. But since the movie ends on the note of Angela being the true artist and not the filmmakers at all, I think that that was something that, that they grasped in the course of making it. I didn't have the ethical problems with this movie that I know some critics did. Some critics really felt that they were condescending to their subject the entire time. I actually didn't really feel that way. I felt that it was two different universes, completely different cultural universes mm-hmm. colliding. But I don't know that I felt that it was like a reality TV condescension
2: toward the family. I, no, but- I think there is a key moment of... It, it's the moment where they stay. They, they go. She's not who she said she is. She has these kind of freakish twin sons who are mewling in the background, and her husband seems sort of sinister and one of the brothers is basically freaking out, and Neve, who's been you know resisting the, the documentary the whole time, sort of says, "Look, we've come all this way. We have to stay. We, you know, we've we showed up. Now let's stay. Let's ride in the car with her. Let's see what this is all about." Um. And and it's that ability to sort of maintain their gaze on this world they've discovered, this world that tech, social technology has brought them into contact w- with, and just kind of sit there and absorb it and begin to try some earnest effort to really understand it and understand how this whole thing happened that to me redeems them somewhat like I hated them for most of the movie but I think there is this key turn at the end where they they're not just like oh my god and we found this woman and she was crazy and her life was so miserable they sort of they do they just slow down and and get and cede the movie to her
0: I feel like the film slows down I'm not 100% sure that they do I mean there's some evidence that they do there's some evidence that they don't um uh, the movie, we should say, was produced and midwifed in no small way by Andrew Jarecki, the uh, brilliant documentarian behind Capturing the Friedmans." I do feel a lot of the tone of the movie and humanity of the movie could have been in, uh, as much in post-production and, uh, uh, and secondly, I do think it's important to say that many, many people, including at Sundance, have asked whether or not the pr- uh, movie has an honesty problem, and big people have weighed in on that, including A.O. Scott and David Thompson. There is a lot of skepticism about how uh, this story got constructed very conveniently. All of which is to say they still made a great movie in spite of themselves. The, 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 the real revelation of what this woman uh, woman's life is like at the end. Oh, and also I do believe for a time uh, Neve is in love with this imaginary woman. I think that, that they're very careful to demonstrate that. They flash back to him to earlier scenes where he's talking to her. They say... Uh, and an in intertitle at the end, they say that he exchanged fifteen hundred messages with her over a whatever it was several month period, you know, indicating that they didn't just fabricate his uh, his crush for the for the for narrative purposes.
2: Right, it was really hot and heavy, and that's that is there is this amazing moment at the end, this final scene where. Neve is kind of sitting smugly leaning back in a rocking chair, and Angela's nervously painting him and trying to get him right and saying that he's even more beautiful in person than his photos are online, which is not the not true of her and um and there's this moment where he's kind of questioning her about the whole process as she draws and there's this moment where he's basically like that was kind of intense there for a while, huh, and they basically acknowledge- he acknowledges that he's been in love with this you know, homely Michigan housekeeper. And she's sort of like, yeah. And there is this one crystal moment at the end that was sort of powerful. Yeah, I thought that I thought. scene
1: was incredible. And I did not experience him as sitting smugly for that portrait at all. I thought at that point he was near tears as he kind of realized that not only that this relationship that he thought was beginning was in fact completely illusory and was about to disappear forever, but that this person who was drawing him contained multitudes. I thought that that, that
2: was an incredible ending to the movie. Yeah, agreed. And I also think with regards to the question you raised, Steve, about authenticity and how much they revealed and how much they knew when... I mean, I believe this, this fluke story really happened. I think they, you know, they certainly could have been more disclosure about what they knew and when they knew it, but I'm, I'll allow a little bit of narrative compression for good storytelling. I don't think that discounts what this movie reveals about how Facebook and social connection on the internet can really bring you into contact with wildly different worlds.
1: To the extent that there was any material that was enacted or reenacted, I think it was all stuff that came before the big Michigan ambush. I mean, it, I think it is possible that when they realized what a story was emerging and that they were going to make it into a documentary, that they compressed something like the plagiarism discovery about the, the YouTube songs, right? I mean, it's possible that that happened over a series of days and that they more or less said, hey, we never said this on camera. Let's just say this, right? And so to that extent, I guess there could have been some fakery. But I think that everything that's important about the movie, which is the uh, the encounter with the family was authentic and, in fact, could not really have been Mm -hmm. fake. Oh,
0: um, no, 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 absolutely. I I think the the fakery is only about um, how long uh, Neve suspended his disbelief, you know, because he wanted to be in love with this woman. And if that really was quite a short period of time and they did some – I mean, cursory Googling pokes massive holes in this woman's story. I I don't know about you, but the instant I fall in love with someone online that I've never met, you know, I I do all kinds of Googling. I'm just kidding.
1: (laughs) (laughs) But insofar as it's not only a movie about this one particular incident and the discovery of this one woman's bakery, but also a movie about social media and the use of social media platforms, I think it's pretty interesting that it's coming out right before uh, the social network, this big David Fincher movie that's being released next week, which I think is purporting to be about a lot more than just social networking, but may not end up going as deep as this movie ended up going by accident.
0: Yeah, we'll have to see it and talk about it.